You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Who's hungry? I know. Isn't it terrible to do that to you before church? Well, at least it's not the 11 o'clock. You guys hopefully had something to eat before you came. Uh, Who doesn't like good food, right? We all like good food. And um, one of the things that we often hear said in our home is, uh, where do you want to go eat? Where do you want to go to eat? Now that we're empty nesters, one of the advantages, we get to go out to dinner a little bit more than we did when our kids were around. And Pittsburgh is a foodie town. It really is a foodie town. There, there are so many good restaurants, and every week a new one is opening up, and my wife and I just love to check out good food places. In fact, uh, sometimes we don't know what we want, and so I'll get on um, Zomato. It used to be Urban Spoon. It's a website, and it can, you can search for any kind of restaurant on there that you might be interested in. You can search for a restaurant by location. Uh, let's go to Lawrenceville. Let's see what's available down there. There's so many great places down there. How about the Strip District? Or maybe we can go over to you know, the South Side. Where are we going to go to eat? And we look by location. Or maybe it's by, by, by the style of food. Are we, are we thinking of Asian? Are we thinking of Italian? Are we thinking of American? We want burgers. What do we want? Where are we going to go? And or, or by price, you know, by any way you want to look for food, you can, you can find what you're looking for, and we love to try new places. But then there's always the good old places where you know for sure you're going to get a good meal, and if you're not feeling risky, you can go to those places and get the burger at Tesoro's because it's the best burger in town, or, you know, go to, uh, go to a place where you're going to get what you know is good. And today we're going to be talking about where do you go for food, not physical food. Let's make the metaphor very obvious here. We're talking about spiritual food. Not food for your body, but food for your soul. And our text today, a verse we're going to start out at, is found in Psalm 119. By the way, if you have my phone down there, if you have the Riverside app, the notes are in there. If you look under live event, Oakmont, you can follow along there if you'd like to, if you have our Riverside app. And uh, download that if you haven't yet. So Psalm 119, verse 103. Yes, verse 103 in Psalm 119. And it's on, that's the middle of the book of chapter 119. Not quite, a little later in the middle. But it says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Can we say that together? Let's try that. I like it when we do this. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, has 176 verses. It's a a poem like all the Psalms. And what's so cool about this Psalm is there are 22 stanzas, and each of these 22 stanzas begins with a separate letter of the 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and each stanza has eight lines, and each line contains a synonym for word or for God's word. The incredible masterpiece of a psalm. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote that when he was in seminary, he was told that it was the most boring of all the psalms, but when he found himself imprisoned by the Nazis, he found that it was the richest of them all. 
and he relished just long meditations on Psalm 119. Here are some of the other verses just for your, for your taste. Psalm 119, you've heard some of these. Verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 19, I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. We talked about stranger things in our last series. Verse 28, my soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Verse 33, teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees that I might follow you to the end. Verse 64, the earth is filled with your love, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Verse 73, your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. Verse 105, we've probably all heard. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light for my path. The eight lines comprising the stand in which we find today's verse read as follows. Beginning in verse 97, he says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it day, all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statues. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path, so that I might obey your word. I have not deserted, departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from all your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. So as you see these psalms, these verses from Psalm 119, you're getting a sense here that as the sweet life we find comes as we feast on God's word, the sweet life where I have understanding, that I, that I gain wisdom, that my path is led, that, that, that I have all of these things comes as I understand God's word, as I understand what God is wanting to say to me. The psalmist turned the, the, learned that the secret of having wisdom and insight and understanding greater than all the others is to take God's word into his life, to let God's word become part of who we are. I was 15 years old when I read the Bible for the very first time. And I was reading it because I was a brand new Christian. I, I knelt, at, I heard a message, I knelt, I prayed, asked Jesus in my life, and I said, well, what does that mean? And, and for some reason, not being a really a big reader before that time, I just felt this desire to open God's word. And it was amazing when I read these stories of flawed and struggling people in scripture I saw my own flaws and my own struggles. And when I, when I saw how God made a way for people who were imperfect and rebellious and damaged to find ultimate love and acceptance and forgiveness, it gave me hope that I too could find love and acceptance and forgiveness. When I soaked in the wisdom of the Psalms and the emotion of, or the wisdom of Proverbs and the emotion of Psalms and, and even the hard questions that we find in Job, it taught me that we're not alone in this world, that other people have asked the same questions and struggled the same ways that we struggle. And when I followed the story of Jesus and the Acts of the Apostles, 
I just wanted to jump into the story. I wanted to see the miracles. I wanted to experience him opening blinded eyes and welcoming the outcast and bringing down the high and the mighty and, and lifting up the lowly. I wanted to be in that story. It had a way of just drawing me in. And once I tasted of the goodness of Jesus, I had the sense that there's nothing better. I'm never going back. I'm never going back. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And once you do that, you realize how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. This past year, we've been talking about bold faith. This series is all under the whole heading of bold faith. And bold faith is the best thing you ever tasted. That's what Good Eats is all about. And people say so often, but I don't have faith, or I struggle with my faith, or my faith is wavering. Well, how do you get faith? Where does faith come from? Well, the Bible says faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And I'm always surprised at how people who can't accept Christianity or don't believe that God exists never read scripture. They don't know the story of Jesus and yet they reject him without ever reading the story or understanding what it says. And it's only as we understand this that we take it in when we allow Scripture to, to, to come into us, we digest it, that, that it begins to take shape inside of us. There's, there's two ways that we can approach Scripture, that we can ingest it. We can go to Scripture like we go to junk food, right? I'm hungry, I need something, I need a fix, I gotta get it in me. And so we approach it with our, to meet our needs, to meet our wants, to meet our feelings, immediate feelings. That's one way to read scripture. And most people, I dare say, read it with that kind of mindset. What can I get for me today? What's gonna make me feel good in the moment? But there's another way in which we can ingest scripture, and I liken it to going to a fine restaurant where you say, I'll have the chef's selection. Whatever the chef thinks is best to serve, I will have that today. And you sit there and you take what the chef says is best for you. And you eat it and it's better than you could ever imagine. And it's things that you never would have ordered. And it's stuff that you may have never tasted before. But it's new and it's different and it's wonderful. And I think when we approach scripture, not with a mindset of what can I get from God, but what can God give to me? What does God want me to have? We approach it with different eyes, with different understanding with a curious heart, with an open mind, with the ability to say, yeah, that's what I want. And so here's the thing. My faith, my soul, is only as strong as the diet it is fed. My faith and my soul are only as strong as the diet it is fed. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. That verse reminds me of a passage in the book of Revelation, the Apostle John writing Revelation. If you've ever read Revelation, you probably scratch your head and say, well, what on earth is this about? But John, the Apostle John, was the, the leader of the church after Peter and Paul had both been martyred. And so he is writing to a people who had 
um, been marginalized and powerless. And when he was writing, he was writing in a society where if you were following Jesus, you were deemed a criminal of the state because you cannot say Jesus is Lord because if you were a member of the state, every year you had to state Caesar is Lord. And when you refuse to say Caesar is Lord, you have to admit that you have a higher king, a higher Lord, a higher ruler than Caesar, and that made you a, a traitor. And you were a marked person. And so he's writing to people who are living under that kind of oppression, and he's trying to encourage them to continue to follow Christ, because in the end, Christ wins. In the end, you serve Christ. In the end, you follow Christ. In the end, you'll see the story of Jesus is better than the story that you are being fed. And so John in Revelation, he, he says, then a voice I heard from heaven, verse chapter 10, spoke to me once more. And the voice said, go, take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. And so I went to the angel and he asked, and I asked him, to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, take it, eat it. It'll turn sour in your stomach, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. So I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and I ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. The little scroll that he was told to eat was the scriptures as they knew it back then, the Hebrew scriptures. And, and he was told to eat that book, meaning take it in, get it into you, get it into your gut, digest it, let the words move into your bloodstream, chew on these words, swallow them, let them be turned into muscle and gristle and bone, make it part of your life so that when you give this message, it's coming from deep within inside of you. And it's a hard message because it will include suffering. It will include tribulation. It'll be sour in ways, but it's the message that we need to get out to people that are in the midst of suffering, that are in the midst of persecution and martyrdom. They need to know that, yes, it's going to be hard, but it's the message they need to hear because it's the true message. And in the end, they can destroy your body, but they cannot kill your soul. There is a river flowing. There is trees on both sides that we can eat the fruit of for eternal life. Eden restored. We're back right with God. But it's, it's going to be a hard story to give. John wasn't the first biblical prophet to eat a book. In fact, he is really referring back to Ezekiel's time and Jeremiah. They were contemporaries of each other. Jeremiah said, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy. They were my heart's delight. For I bear your name, Lord Almighty. And so Jeremiah and Ezekiel also preaching and taught, teaching, teaching to people in times of great suffering. Times we've talked about when they were destroyed by the Babylonians and they went through horrible experiences. And Jeremiah is saying, I, I, when I ate your words, when they came into me, I had great joy because this is what I needed. Because here's the thing, people in their days were being fed a different story than the story of Scripture. They're being fed something different and they were hearing the stories of the Baals that were, that were uh, feeding them uh, that their, their lusts and their, they legitimized the, the stories of these false gods legitimized their lust and their greeds, their hatred. And as they continued to feast on the false stories of the false prophets and the false gods, they became weaker and weaker. 
And so these prophets ate God's word up and they were empowered to bring a stronger, truer message to the people. Ezekiel says, but you, son of man, listen to what I say to you. Don't rebel like that rebellious people. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And then I looked and I saw a hand stretched out to me and it was a scroll which he unrolled before me. And on both sides of it were written words of lament and mourning and woe. And then he said to me, son of man, eat what's before you, eat the scroll, and then go and speak to the people. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat, and then he said to me, son of man, eat the scroll I'm giving you, and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. Your words, O God, are like honey to me. When we feed on the junk food of quick thrills, immediate gratification, mindless entertainment, consumerism, fear, and hatred, we fail to thrive. We quit growing. Can I say that again? When we feed on the stories of quick thrills, immediate gratification, mindless entertainment, consumerism, fear, and hatred, we fail to thrive. Because you know what? All day long, we are being fed stories. Are we not? Are we not? We're being fed stories. The question is, what are you swallowing? What are you eating? What are you taking in? Is it the true story or is it a fake story? Is it telling you, yeah, go ahead. You can do this. Yeah, yeah, take this. Yeah, go ahead. Go take the easy route. Cheat here, lie here, lust here, give there, greed here, grab this, do this, take that. Is that the story you're swallowing? Because if you're swallowing that story, like the people in in Jeremiah's day and Ezekiel's day, you will become weaker. Because the story's a lie. It tells you, do this, you'll be happier. Do this, you'll be stronger. Do this, you'll be wiser. And the more you do it, the more you realize you become stupider, weaker, and, uh, and you fail to thrive. So where's the story? Where's the story we need to take in? What do we need to swallow? What do we need to believe that's gonna make us thrive? Well, would it not be right that the creator of you, the creator of your body, your life, your mind, your soul knows what you need? Right? I mean, if you're a loving parent, are you gonna feed your kid, your baby, junk? Are you gonna let them thrive on sugar and carbs and Never have something that's going to give them muscle and brains. Don't we need to have that which is going to make us stronger? So here's the thing. Tell me what you eat and I'll tell you what you are. In other words, you are what you eat. Eugene Peterson wrote a book about scripture called Eat This Book, from which I've gotten some good ideas for this message. And I just wanted to quote him here. This is what he said. Christians feed on scripture. Scripture nurtures. As food nurtures the human body, Christians don't simply learn or study or use scripture. We assimilate it. We take it into our lives in such a way that it gets metabolized. I like that into acts of love and cups of cold water and missions into all the world and healing and evangelism and justice in Jesus' name. Hands raised in adoration of the Father. Feet washed in the company with the Son. 
we take it in. It becomes us. We bear witness to that. The Bible's livable. It's the text of living our lives. It reveals this God-created, God-ordered, God-blessed world in which we find ourselves whole and at home. It's a story. We're invited into the story. You are part of the story. It's not just a story of the patriarchs and the prophets, of disciples and dogma. It's the human story. It's our story. It's your story and my story. And the biblical way is a story that tells us and invites us to live into this. Live into this. You can be a part of this. Acts 28 follow, ends, but Acts 29 is now. We now are the acts of the Holy Spirit in today's day and our age. We get to live into this world that God has created. And this story broadly conceived as the story of following Jesus. Let's follow this metaphor of, of, of eating and feeding on God. Jesus, it says, in John chapter one, was the word of God. In the beginning was the word, right? And the word was with God, and the word was God. So we talk about Jesus now being the living word, we're talking about eating God's word, feasting on God's word. Jesus is the living word. It's ultimately all about Jesus. And it goes on and says in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the only, one and only from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then we see in John chapter six, in fact, this is next week's message, so I don't wanna go too far into this. Jesus feeds the 5,000, right? Everybody's happy. Everybody goes away fed. And then he turns the conversation into, you come to me for food that feeds your body, but I am here to give you food that feeds your soul. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life, he says. Moses gave you manna from heaven. I am now the bread of life for you to feed on. Don't work for food that spoils, but food for that, endure, that endures to eternal life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And after he said that, many people quit following him. Did he mean it literally? Did he mean it figuratively? <clears throat> well, obviously. And then what happened the night Jesus was betrayed, right? What did he do? He took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take this in, eat it, swallow it, digest it, let it be part of you. And this is the cup. This is my blood that is shed for you, letting you know that there is a new covenant between God and man. That this blood is the covenant that God is making to you. That there is forgiveness available to you. That there is a clean slate available to you. That you can start over today because of the blood of Christ that is shed for you. Take this in. Here's the story, folks. Take it in. Drink it up, eat it up, 
swallow it, digest it. We have grace. We have mercy. We have forgiveness. We have love. We have acceptance. We have everything that our heart and our soul and our body and our mind and our spirit yearns for. And we fill it up with the junk food of this world rather than soaking up and eating up the word of God and letting that story become who we are. Who we are. I want to get real practical and then we're going to wrap up. We're going to conclude today by letting God's word feed us. But here's the thing. I've talked about God's word. I've talked about reading God's word. I've talked about taking in. How, practically speaking, how do we do that? How do you feed on God's word? Can I just give you four things to write down and remember and maybe begin to do? Number one, read it. <laughs> Duh. Read it. Now, I'm not saying just read it. I'm saying chew on it. Right? Read it. Take it in. Read it with an open mind. Read it with a curious mind. Read it with an open heart. Don't just read it to get through it and check that off and say, oh, I did my Bible reading today. Now I can go do whatever I want. Read it not to get through it, but to get it through you. Get it in you. Read it with a sense of, God, what, what, do you, what are you serving up today so that I can feed on that? And I don't know how I'll need that, but somehow I'm going to need what you have today to read it with that kind of mindset. And then ponder it. And that's what I mean, chew on it. The word that many Christians don't like is meditate on it. But that's what it really means. Just think about it. Think about it. What does it say? Who is this about? What's it mean? Who are they writing to? Who's the writing? What's the situation here? Right? Chew on it. Ask hard questions. Put yourself in the story. Wrestle with it if it's hard for you to understand. And, and, and let, it, let it be something that you dwell on, you think about. And then pray it. Pray it. What does that mean? It means receive it and say, God, I, I receive this. Speak to me. So, so often we talk about praying in terms of telling God what's on our shopping list for him to fill for us. Here's my shopping list, God. That's my prayers. Take it, God, and give me everything I want. Or... Is prayer a conversation with God that is a two-way conversation? Do you ever have a friend and it's never a two-way conversation? You, you don't get to talk, or, you, or maybe you're the talker and you never here to listen. You know, we, we, we got to listen to what God has to say. When we pray, we just pour our heart out to God. God, you know my needs, yes. God, you know my wants, yes. God, you know my desires. But God, what do you desire for me? God, what do you have to say to me today? How can this scripture apply to my life? Where do I need to make some adjustments in my life? 
Who, who needs in my world to hear what I've read here this morning? How do I need to become more like this person? How am I like that person? And I need to not be like that person because there's a lot of ugly stories in the Bible, bad examples that we can read about. So all of that helps feed our minds, our bodies, our souls, our spirits. Pray it. Ask the Spirit to speak to you and then listen. And then the last thing is simply live it. Live it. Get it into your gut, into your bloodstream, into your muscles, into your bones. Turn it into actions of love, acceptance, and forgiveness, and mercy, and grace, and truth, and justice. Become that person. Bear witness to the story that you're hearing, that you're feasting on, that you're digesting. When you digest it into your body, you become what you digest. You are what you eat. And when we feast on God's word, guess what happens? We find that we become more like Christ. And after all, isn't that what it's all for? That we would bear witness to Christ in our day and our age? I'm going to ask Dave and the others to come up here because we're going to respond in just a minute with some scripture readings today. But really, the whole thing is about getting Christ into us so that we can get Christ out of us. (laughs) Right? So that Christ can become part of us. When we feast on scripture, digest it, we metabolize it, we're ultimately feasting on Jesus. And then we can say, like the Apostle Paul said, it's no longer, I no longer live, but it's Christ that lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. That's what it's all about, folks. Can we be like Jesus? Imagine if we were, right? I mean, imagine if you and I and everyone here were able to see through Jesus's eyes. Think about that. If we saw others the way, imagine if you and I and everybody in this room saw people the way Jesus saw people, what would be different? Imagine if we made choices that led to greater health and joy and peace, right? Imagine if everybody, all of us did that. Imagine if, if we were strong enough to resist temptation like Jesus did in the wilderness and lean on God when we're tempted. Imagine if we were bold enough to challenge injustice and right the wrongs in our society. Imagine if you and I and everybody around here did that. What would the world be like? Imagine if we were caring enough to heal the broken and to welcome the outcast and to help the weak. Imagine if all of us were like that. Think about that. If we all bore witness to the Jesus and the story that we read about and we receive and we take into our lives and it just energizes us and makes us strong and it flows out of us, imagine how different that, imagine, imagine if all your friends and family were like that. Your world would be a lot easier and so would theirs. Imagine, imagine if our leaders were like that. Imagine if everyone took in the story of Christ and said, you know what, I'm going to live like Jesus. I'm going to act like Jesus. I'm going to think like Jesus. I'm going to be like Jesus. Imagine. Well, you don't have to imagine. It doesn't have to be a pipe dream. 
it can be reality for you. And it begins by saying, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Spirit of God, make me new. Help me to understand through eyes of faith the story that's the true story of my world and my life and who I am so that I can live into that story and write a new story for a broken world in our generation and our day and our age. Would you bow your heads with me, please? How many here want to live in that story? How many here want to live in that story? Raise your hand up and say, yeah, I want to live in that story. I want that story to be my story. I want Jesus. I don't want to give in. I don't want to become weaker. I don't want to be feeding the false story. I don't want to keep dieting on the junk food and all the false. I need God. And I tell you what, you need the Spirit to help you because the false stories are so loud and so controlling. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, and we need to get Christ in us. So maybe you're here this morning, you're saying, but I don't know, man, the lust, the greed, the hate, the fear, that just makes me come alive. Well, it'll make you come alive, and it'll kill you. But if you want to live into a better story, live into a better world, live into a better life, then you need to feast on God, feast on God's word, Get it in you, get it in you, get it in you. Would you just say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, help me to be a person of the word. Help me to respect it, help me to honor it. Even though I might not understand it, God, reveal it to me. I come to you with a hungry heart. I come to you thirsty for you and for the truth. Help me, Jesus, to live into that. Help me to be the person that I see Jesus and the apostles were after they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Help me to be that kind of person, I pray, oh God. I need to be that person, so fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your truth. Fill me with your word. I need it, Jesus. I need it, Jesus. Help me to quit pointing fingers at everybody else and say they need it because it has to start with me and start with us. God, give me a hunger for your word. Give me a hunger for your story. It's more than words on a paper. It's more than something to get through. It's something to get through us, God. I need it now. I need it today. I need it tomorrow. I need it every day. Jesus, I give myself to you, I pray. Come into my life. Maybe you're here for the first time. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life, and today's the day for you to do that. Say, Jesus, I need you in my life, please. I don't know what this is all about, but I can feel my heart thumping right now. I know the Spirit's talking to me, and I need to make a move. God, Jesus, come into my heart. I need you. Or maybe you've strayed from Christ, and maybe you need to come back to God, and today's the day for you. That's the good news. Eat this bread. Drink this cup. Get a new start, a new beginning. Forgiveness, mercy, acceptance, love, grace. It's yours today, because that's the story. That's the story, and I believe it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.